Hello. Hello, Jeremiah. How's it going, man? It's beautiful. I'm calling you from Stroud, Oklahoma. Where, just, where is that at? Middle of nowhere. The middle of nowhere. Now, is that near the horrible Texas panhandle? I'll be there later on this evening or this morning. I oh, say. I'm sorry to hear that. No, I'm sorry so to hear that. <laughs> nah, it's not too bad. I hate it. It's, <laughs> do you, it's, it's uh, the only, I mean, the only thing there is Amarillo. I mean, the rest of it's yeah. pretty boring. No, no, here is, uh, this is halfway, this is on the 44, halfway between uh, uh, Tulsa and uh, Oklahoma City, probably closer to Tulsa. It's a little pullout area in the middle of the, uh, see, I got to take a half hour break. So I pull in here and I know I can get good parking. Okay. I don't really want to take the half hour break, but by law, I have to take the half hour break. And with the electronic logging, there's no way to be creative about it oh that's that's rough now do you have to do the is it still like the eight hours or is it how many hours do you have to drive uh, a day uh, the, before well, the rule it the, the, it's complicated the rule is the longest you can have you can a 14 hour day is the longest you can have total before you can take your 10 hour break but the most you can have in that 14 hour period is 11 hours of driving and in that 11 hours of driving before you hit eight hours of driving you have to take a half hour break so it's oh, eight wow, hours maximum without a half hour break 11 maximum driving during the they day you need to like say that again and then 14 for the total yeah it's a, it's a pain in the ass <laughs> it used to be before we got electronic logging you could just put everything in after the fact and just kind of be creative with it, if you know right. what I'm saying. But with the electronic logging, you don't have a choice. Like right now, I mean, before I want to stop when I want to stop. I don't want to stop when I when I have to stop. Like I didn't need to stop right now, but I can't go anywhere until this thing runs down. Because if I, I move the you. truck, then it's then I got to start it all over again. It's it's a pain in the ass, and because of this shit, a lot of people are parking on the fuel islands, things like that. They fuel the truck and then sit there for another twenty minutes waiting for their half hour to count down. And it's like, oh, this is great, you know, you blocked everything up. It's great. I want to go. You know, time is money. Oh, yeah, I hear that. So they just sit there and they basically can't move because they just picked a bad place to park. Yeah, well, they just sit there. Well, a lot of it's these days, it's mostly Russians. It's shocking how many Russians are driving these days. And they just don't Russians? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. This is going to sound crazy. But you can always tell (laughs) the Russian drivers they got flip flop, they got Adidas pants, and they got the, you know, like the sweat. The sweatsuits, you know, like you know, like everybody wore like in the seventies, eighties. Yeah, all right. And, and they and they and they and they walk around kind of hunching their shoulders, and they they go, okay, 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 and fuck you, okay, okay, fuck you, and it's just like, oh god, you're Russian. It's you know, it's like, oh my god. Okay. Yeah, one time a lot of FedEx drivers, the over the road guys are all Russians. The city delivery guys are. Americans and uh, one time a FedEx guy walked up to me. I was at the microwave, 
I was in uh, Joseph City, Arizona, and he said, uh, "Are you done with microwaves?" And I said, uh, "No." I said, uh, "I said, are you from Georgia?" And uh, he goes, "How do you know I'm from Georgia?" Well, basically, what it comes down to is about five to ten years after some place has been really screwed over, everybody ends up over here driving truck. And at that point, it was George's turn. So I said, well, I don't know, just a lucky guess. I could tell by your accent. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell by his accent. I was just guessing. And then he goes, okay, okay. My partner over here, you tell me where he's from. Can you do from his accent? I said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So his partner walked up. Now, I know he's not from Georgia, his partner, because, it, you know, he said guess where he's from. If he was from Georgia, I'd be able you know what I'm saying? So I know he's not from Georgia. Yeah. So I said, the, I said, well, he's got to say something. He's, and the guy says something. And then I go, oh, he's from Russia. He's a Russian. He's from around Moscow. And the guy, they both step away. Holy shit, man. How the fuck you know he's from <laughs> Russia? And I said, because he looked like he just drank a bottle of vodka and beat the shit out of his wife. And the guy goes, <laughs> the guy steps back and he goes, God damn that's good, man. He's that kind of guy. That's very good. <laughs> and they, they, and I was just totally guessing, dude. It was like, you know, I was just narrowing <laughs> it down. You know, I had no idea where they were from by their accent. You know, you know, when they say Vatar, you know, you, you could, Russians can't say water. They say Vatar. And they smoke a lot. Yeah, that's right. But it's like, yeah. as soon as they, where are you, where are you, you're going to America, where, what's your job? I'm a truck driver. Oh, uh, here's the uh, U.S. truck driver outfit, Adidas and flip-flops. <laughs> yeah, the Adidas pants. You know, now that you say that, it makes a lot of sense. Because oh. last year, I, I was uh, right outside of uh, Portland on tour. Similar experience where where I was in line and I was trying to buy a shower at this truck shop truck stop and I was I was waiting there and finally I got up there and there's this guy from Eastern Europe there in the sweatsuit right like just like you're saying and he's trying to send a fax back home or something and like I get up there and he overhears me uh, getting the shower and paying for the shower so he walks up to me he says Oh, you're you're getting a shower. Can can I shower with you? And I'm just like, and I like wait a second to see if he's serious. And then I start messing with him. I'm like, oh yeah, you wash my back and I'll wash your back. He didn't get it. Like he just he just stood there staring at me. And I was like, no, I, I'm gonna shower by myself, man. And then later, he 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 looked at me weird. And I realized after the fact, when I was sitting down, actually waiting for my number to be called, that he actually just wanted to share the cost of a shower. He just didn't. He just didn't communicate it well enough. <laughs> oh, it's crazy! It's like, do you ever watch? How I don't know how old. How old are you? I'm thirty. Okay, you probably. Did you ever see a TV show called Welcome Back, Kata? What is it? There was a TV show back in the 70s. 80s, it was called Welcome Back, Cotter. It had, no, I uh, okay, that had a. Uh, it was had John Travolta, young John Travolta. He played a high school troublemaker. 
and uh, he would go, Mr. Kata, Mr. Kata, and then he'd shake his shoulders, you know, kind of shrug his shoulders and kind of do that kind of, you know, vibey thing. And it's like, I picture all the Russians watching that show before they're coming over here because they're going, okay, okay, okay. And they're shrugging their shoulders. And I don't know how okay, okay became one word. But, and then, uh, you know, and then they get mad at you. They're like, fuck you, fuck you. It's like the only words they know. You know, because <laughs> I've heard them tell me that quite often. It's like, I'll be like, hey, you got to move. And they're like, fuck you, fuck you. And I'm like, I said, you don't really know English, do you? No, what would he? Uh, no, okay, but fuck you. It's like, ah, whatever. Water. And they go, oh, you want the water? No, I'm okay. Yeah, it's crazy. There's tons of them here, dude. It used to be you had to be able to, to speak, speak and read English to be able to drive here, but it's not that way anymore. Wow. Yeah, they lifted those sanctions. And then with the H1B visa program, uh, they bring the drivers in constantly. So I pull to a truck stop. Half the guys don't speak English anymore. I didn't realize they were coming in on H-1Bs, though. They only have, like, what, 80,000 of those every year, if that? What? And I thought most of them went to the tech workers. No, the, but they're, they're going to truck, truck workers, too. Oh, yeah, because the, the, uh, they claim there's a driver shortage. And then they uh, they lobby, you know. But I, I say there's no driver shortage. I say there's. That's a, what the tech. That's what the tech scene says too. Yeah, well, you know what? If you pay enough, people will. People, the shortage will go away. Surprisingly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you you pay enough, and it's just like, you know, you you pay somebody twenty bucks to pick lettuce. You'll have plenty of people picking lettuce. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just these places. No you know, you want to make a shitty work environment and you don't get any workers and then you want to blame it on, oh, there's no workers. Oh, bullshit. It's that you don't want to, you don't want to pay. I'm, I'm a union guy, so, so, uh, well, let's put it this way. In a regular trucking company, the turnover rate is close to, um, you know, like 120%. Most guys don't last six months. The turnover rate at my company is like 3%. And most of that, wow. most of that's due to retirements. You know, the the number one guy on the board's been there since 1970. You know, he's been there since wow. 1970. He's got five million miles. Number two guy on the board's been there since 72. He's got four million miles. I've only been there since 2002, so I'm kind of like I'm junior. I'm a junior guy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Dude, I'm 51 years old, and I'm considered young by the standards of this place. <laughs> They're like, hey, young guy. And I'm like, where else am I going to go where I'm the young guy? I mean, I'm because it's literally, you know, these guys, are they're old. They're all a bunch of old farts. It's a union company. You know, there's, uh, what is it, 235 one million mile drivers, you know, one million miles or more. There's like, I think it's like 37 2 million milers. There's like four or five 3 million milers. There's two or three 4 million milers. There's one guy with 5 million miles. Just at your company? Yeah, just at, just at my terminal. Just at the Chicago oh, terminal. Wow. That's not even the whole company. Company-wide, there's one guy with 6 million miles. Jeez. The world with 6 million miles. 
Uh, six million. Does he win a prize or something? Yeah, he gets. Does he get something for that? Yeah, he gets to walk around and say, "I got six million miles." <laughs> and, and he gets the uh, and he gets the universal appeal from everybody underneath him going, "Retire, old man. I want to move up." <laughs> you know, it's a recurring theme. Retire. Today, I was listening to a guy bitch because the guy that has five million miles has been there since 1970, and this guy's like, "God, I wish that son of a bitch would just retire. I want to move up." And I said, well, how long have you been here? Oh, I've been here 32 years. Well, why don't you retire so I can move up? <laughs> you know, well, it's because I haven't been here. You know, i got to wait for my wife's insurance. Oh, I don't give a shit. You got your full pension. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, I haven't gotten mine yet. You know, the, the, the more seniority you got, the better, the better gig you can get. Like right now... I'm on a Bloomington, Denver, which is Chicago to Bloomington, California, California back to Chicago, Chicago to Denver, Denver back to Chicago. For them. And then there might be a few little things here and there in the middle, but that's about it mostly. And the reason why I like this is because I go 40, 44, and I stay out of the bad weather for the most part. I can barely hold this after uh, 16 years. I'm the last guy that can hold this run. And during the winter, now during the summer, because this is such a high mileage bid, it'll go up into the 300s. The guys in the 300s will get it. I'm in the 200s, like two. I think I'm like 212 or something on the seniority list after 16 years. But this will go up to like 350, 340. And then during the during the summer, I'll grab like a, a Seattle, Salt Lake, Phoenix, and then I'll get like one and a half days off one week, three days off the next week. That's going to be your route in the summer. Yeah, but I might just I might just go. I'm debating. I might just go with just to Portland, Chicago to Portland back, and then take like three and a half, four days off every week. That sounds easy. Is that well? It's easy. Easier? Yeah, it's easy, but there's you know, there's not very many miles. But uh, it sure is nice taking time off during the summer. Yeah. I got a couple of midlife crisis cars I want to go cruise around, and it's kind of hard to do that when you don't have any time off. What do you got? Uh, 1937 T Bucket, uh, 19, uh, sorry, 1923 T Bucket, 1937 Packard, uh, 2000 Mustang convertible GT, and a 1932 Coupe. Jeez, I heard you talking with K KT the other day about how you want to. Uh, a suit and a special hat, and that would—I could see why now. That's that's awesome. Yeah, well, you know, he's got a Corolla like a custom tailored thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I want to get one for the thirty-seven Packard. I want to get a—I okay. uh, want to get a gangster. You know, the, like not gangster. But I want to get a nice fedora from nineteen thirty-seven era, and I was thinking about getting a suit to go along with it. You know, just to match the car. That's it. That was it. Because the freaking Packard is huge, man. The Packard is 17 feet long. That one actually belongs to my wow. stepfather, but I drive it whenever. And uh, ironically, I'm the one who is the most comfortable driving it because it's got the big long hood. And, and they're like, everybody's like, why is this, you know, this is really trouble. I'm like, it's just like being at work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's the same thing. It's, you know, the big long hood. It doesn't even phase me. After all these years, my mom doesn't like that one. My mom likes the coupe, the small coupe. See, the, what it is is my brother owns the coupe. I own, I got the uh, the the T bucket for uh, for my birthday. It used to be my grandfather's. The uh, the Mustang I bought new, and the uh, uh, 
Oh, and a '66 Mustang. That's my that's my mom's '66 Mustang. But you know, we just take whichever one you want. You just go take for the day. Which is really cool because there's you know we ran out of garage space, so it's good that we don't have them all in one place. You know. Yeah. It's kind of hard to we got we got more cars we got more money in cars than we do in houses. Hey. Which is you know that sounds nice to me. Oh, it's fun, man, and especially you know in like L.A. or something. They don't stick out so much, but up in Wisconsin, like, I swear, dude, and it, I, you would think the T-Bucket, because it's bright yellow, would get a lot of attention, but it's the Packard that gets all the attention, because it's such an odd thing, you know, everybody wait. I can't go a block without people waving at me. <laughs> yeah, it's just a blast. You know, I just get the biggest kick out of it. But, uh, you know, in the T-Bucket, you're, like, white out in the open, you know, it's a, it's a... It's basically a frame and an engine. You know, you're right out there. But but the Packard's the cruise mobile. The wife likes that one the best because it's just so plush. You know, it's so luxury-ish. You know, it's just a trip. You know, it's, <laughs> the air conditioner is the vent. You you hit a button and and a, and a and a thing pops up on a hood, and that's your that's your air conditioner. That's your vent. You know, it's it's just a trip. You know, and then the thing's got a big back seat. My God, I've had apartments that were smaller than this thing. <laughs> but, you know, when it fits in the garage, it's like there's like two inches on the backside and two inches on the front. And you got to be like super careful putting it in the garage. Oh. You got one of those tennis balls set up or anything? No, I just let, I just had my brother do it. Oh, shit. Fucking oh. Cattle, cattle truck just drove by. Oh. Oklahoma. <laughs> Welcome, yeah, right? That's what I was just about to say. I was going to think, you know, it's a cattle truck. You know, he's parked over there by the McDonald's. You know, is that just being cruel or, you know, I mean, what's that all about? You got to wonder, you know. If they were smart enough to know, it would be cruel, but they are not. So I wouldn't worry about it. Never, ever walk next to a cattle truck. (laughs) Never. Because things fly out of those things. It's not. Oh, yeah. I used to. I used to work in, in a barn, so oh. things fly out everywhere. Not fun. Oh. I used to work in a dairy, a dairy farm. Where, where at? What state? So, upstate New York. Oh, it's not Wisconsin. It's not real milk. No. <laughs> I guess not. But when you're when you're uh, trimming hoofs in the winter time, it, it it doesn't really matter where you are. Because you're still standing in a bunch of shit around a bunch of dumb, dumb animals. So. Freezing your ass off. <laughs> right? And, and, you, and then you're happy to be in there with the animals because it's the only warm place because the cattle puts off so much heat. You know, versus yeah. being outside. So is that where you're at now? You're in New True, York? But it's, no, I'm in, I'm in Seattle now. Oh, you're in Seattle. Yeah, I, I just did the Seattle bid uh, uh, last summer. You know, go across 90, go down over Snoqualmie, and then, uh, oh shit, where was it? Uh, I, t- I get off at the, I get off at the 405, go south to the 5 north, and then I get off at the 192. Does that sound familiar to you? 192, the 192 exit, or? Yeah, uh, I think it was road 192 or something like that. I'm trying to think of something that's near there, but there's nothing there. You know, and they. You said you went south. 
No, you go, well, you take the 405 no- south to the 5, then you run the 5 north for like 2 miles, and it's like right there. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I know, I know where you are, right, yeah, right around there, that's a confusing area. Yeah, we, uh, oh my god, you, you ain't kidding, buddy, try getting lost in there with a big truck. Yeah, not, I, I, I don't like to get lost in there with, with a car. So frustrating. Oh yeah, and then when when you first leave and they were doing construction, I'm like, oh, where the hell am I going? Then I'm like, oh shit. And there's no, and it's so congested. No matter what time of the day it is, and it's all it's it, it's always raining. You know that it's just like, oh shit, how the hell am I? You know, I honestly, it's a good run for the time off, but I'd rather go to Portland. Portland's an easy run. It's an easy terminal to get it out of, and there's not much. And then the drive is a little bit. Is I like to drive better along the Columbia River up the 84. You know, it's a, just a beautiful oh. drive. Dude, that's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. Oh. It's right along right there along the, the Columbia River. Oh, I love it, man. I just love that drive. I, I mean, except during the winter. You know, I'm not a big fan of going down Cabbage or, or uh, you know, going up and down Cabbage during the winter. It's a nightmare. But anyway, I love your song, man. I thought it was great. Thank you. I re- it actually, uh, the the con- on on my channel was picked up by like Paul. And I I heard you talking to Paul here the other day, and also a writer, uh, Torson on Be Afraid. Like they liked the the idea of the bobtail, and that's why I wanted to well, to call you. It's like a metaphor so badly because a metaphor for life, man. Right, right. And, and they liked the idea of it, but I wanted, I didn't want, like, my explanation of it to be the only one. I wanted, I wanted you to explain it, uh, because you live it, because, and, and your explanation of it would be much more valuable than m- my crappy explanation of it secondhand. No, I thought you, else. I thought you nailed it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple of bobtail stories. Here I get paid for everything. So for, if it takes me two hours, I get paid. I get paid for mileage, and then if it if then I get paid for the clock time if it's if it turns out to be my, clock time's bigger. But I got a I got a bobtail story for you. My friend Jimmy. Unfortunately, Jimmy passed away two years ago. Jimmy was one of the guys that you know. Jimmy Swafford. We we just sit there and bullshit all night long because nobody else is awake at the same time we're driving, and we used to work for the same company. He's a good friend of mine. Came from Iceland. So anyway. Jimmy's the kind of guy, I'll give you an example. Jimmy's the kind of guy that when he first got here to America, he was 14, and he said to me, and he had this crazy accent, and he says, Charlie, I first got here, and I, people would go to shake my hand, and the woman would shake my hand, and it just fucked my head up. And I go, what are you talking about, Jimmy? And he goes, in my country, when a girl goes to shake your hand, it means she's offering herself to you. At 14, I was fucking going crazy. And I thought, well, okay. So that's Jimmy. Jimmy just, he's just eccentric. You know, and then he just happened to like a band that I went to high school. You ever heard of a band called uh, 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 Armored Saint? No. Okay, well, I went to high school with those guys, and Jimmy plays them on the radio, and he's like, we're up in Green Bay, and he's like, you ever hear these guys? And I go, yeah, I went to high school with them, Jimmy. And he's like, no, you didn't. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, I did in Los Angeles. And I'm like, yeah. I said, they're like a grade ahead of me. I know those guys. So anyway, 
So Jimmy passed a couple of years ago, but just before that, a couple of years before, Jimmy went to Gurney, uh, Gurney Mills uh, Outlet Center. Big, huge mall right there on the Wisconsin-Illinois state line, right there on the 94. The place is huge. And, and they sent him in there to pick up an empty. And the empty he had to pick up was, uh, I don't know, like at a, the mall, one of the mall stores. So he's got to go in there at Christmas time, and he's got to fight all the traffic to get in there. And it takes him like two, three hours to get to the empty. He hooks up to the empty, and then the mall security jumps on his ass and tells him that he can't take the empty because it's the holidays and they're not allowing anybody to move the empties. So now Jimmy throws a gasket because he just wasted like three hours getting into this place. You know how malls are at Christmas. Now he's going to spend another three hours to get out of the place. Then they got to send him somewhere else to find an empty. So he basically bobtailed around all day long looking for an empty, and he ended up going nowhere. That was ah, and at that company, you got paid by the mile, you didn't get paid by the clock time. So when Jimmy busted in there to pick up the empty, they probably you know paid him like ten miles or something, but it took him three hours to do it. He only made like three or four bucks. Yeah, he was pissed. So that's the metaphor right there. Poor that's that's it. Poor Jimmy, you know. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, yeah, that's Jimmy's bobtail story. You know, I wish he could. The way he told it was more colorful, you know, because he had that crazy accent. But uh, I just, and there, I, of course, when he was telling me he was all pissed off, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> you know, because I thought it was hilarious. Of course, if it was me, I would have been pissed off too. But Jimmy was, uh, yeah, he was a character. And that was, you know, you talk about regret in life. Jimmy had called me. Because, like I said, I talk to Jimmy all the time. And this is like, I have very few regrets in life. I usually don't, you know. But I was doing something, and I blew off the phone call. And then I meant to call him back, because I took the next week off. Then I went, then I looked on Facebook, and I'm like, what the fuck? And his uh, niece had posted that uh, uh, my Uncle Jimmy's in the hospital, and they're going to take him off the respirator, and this will be it. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? I just talked to him. What the hell's going on? So I called him. I guess his liver had given out. And I literally had no idea. No idea that it was anything wrong with him because I hadn't seen him in years. We just talked on the phone all the time. And it was just really bizarre to me that that had happened. So, so did you get to talk to him then? No. I didn't get to talk to him. I didn't get to say goodbye, which is like the... The biggest regret I had was the fact that he had called me just before, you know, he went to the hospital and I didn't, you know, the phone had rang and I just ignored it because I was doing something else. And that's yeah. that's one of my biggest regrets. I just felt like a dick. And the reason why I was thinking about that was because I was listening to your uh, episode on legacy and I was like, oh, yeah, I know how that feels. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. you know, the waiting until it's... You know, and you just feel like a dick because of it. Yep. Yeah, I know how that feels. So that's what I was thinking of. It, it, your episode made me relive that. Thanks a lot, man. Sorry. Yeah, but, but, yeah I was, I had a rough day yesterday. But it was, uh, you know, it was something that was, you know, it, it kind of, they all kind of, it all kind of tied in together, you know, the whole bobtail thing. And then I started thinking about Jimmy and his bobtailing and, and uh, 
you know, it just kind of made me smile thinking about how he got screwed over that day. Because it was, I mean, the way he described it, it was just so funny. So that's that's something that that actually happens, is that you could do all this work and get very little for it. Oh, that's... When I was talking... Oh, absolutely. To, ...to the guy on the other side of the Cascades, I think. Uh... That's that's where I picked that story up. Oh, absolutely. It depends on the company you work for. Uh, some some places like here, because I go terminal to terminal. We don't really do that kind of stuff. Because uh, you know everything's right there at the terminal. It's very rare that I would bobtail somewhere. And then, but because I don't bobtail very often, it's kind of it's not the safest thing, especially if it's raining or if there's snow on the ground. You know, if there's if it's raining or snow on the ground, you got too much break. I used to work at a company that what would happen is they had a, a skid pad. It's like this big Teflon kind of thing, and they wet it down, and then you would race down it with a bobtail, and then you they they could lock up the any of the brakes they wanted, and then when they locked up the brake, the thing would start spinning in circles. Oh yeah, it was a lot of fun. Scare the shit out of you. <laughs> But but it what it is is you're losing control in a controlled environment. You know, it's a because you're not you don't have all that weight, and that's what the the brakes are there for to control all that weight. Yeah, the weight. That what you Yeah, the weight holds the the weight steadies everything down. You got more than you need. But the reason why they do that is to teach you how to control the vehicle in a you know, if that ever happens to you on ice or snow. So you lose control in a controlled environment. That way, when it does happen to you, you know how to react to it. You know, you know what how to, what's going to do right. what. The other thing they used to do is they had a flatbed, and they put chains down each side, and they chained up, it was chained up between the tractor and the and the flatbed. And, they, and the chains ran all, there was a bunch of chains running on each side, and they were spread out through the whole thing. And the reason why they did that was they did the same thing with the flatbed, and they would lock up the wheels. And then that way, it would only go so much before it would smack against the end of the chains. So if you screwed up too bad and didn't control it properly, swam, you could hear the chains. You know, they, they, you know, they whacked into the chains. It scared the shit out of you, man. But it was good. Wow. It was good. It was good training. You know, I mean, it was really great because, you know, you get to lose control in a controlled environment. You know, so that way you know the limitations. Oh yeah, because yeah. you know, and also, you got a guy sitting right next to you that does this all day long, and so you know he could give you advice on what you did or did not do, and that that way when it hits you, in real life, you don't have to think about it; you just do it. Yeah. You know, the big key, the big key for that is, uh, look at where you want to go. You know, if you ever start to slide or lose control in the winter, ice, whatever. Look at where you want to go, and uh, odds are pretty good you're going to go there. Okay. You know, I don't know why that is. It's it just it just worked. Oh, the hippie mobile just pulled in. Uh, What's the hippie mobile? It's a looks like an old school bus painted up, uh, uh, Sergeant Pepper style, both sides with a. With a rack across the top. I'm surprised there isn't a cut-up uh, VW bus on top. <laughs> you know, Grateful Dead style? Yep. Yeah, I'm, my friend's got one of those. I'm surprised he doesn't have one of those on there. Those, you know, as a room, those are the best, man. 
Are you deadhead? Uh, no, not really. But everybody I know, I coming from Los Angeles, everybody out there was. And if they weren't, they they told they told everybody they were. There's uh, I, I've, I've you know there's, there's the deadheads, and then there's the people that tell everybody they're deadheads so they can fit in with the crowd. Mm-hmm. There seemed to be a lot of that at the time. You know, when Jerry Garcia passed, everybody was freaking out. It was like, you guys don't listen to that shit. Don't give me that crap. But, you know, everybody wants to get out of the scene because it was such an important thing, you know? Right. Yeah. But, you know, uh, not too much. A little bit here and there, but not, 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 uh, you know, I never saw him in concert or anything. I wanted to go see him at the Rose Bowl, but they canceled that concert. Uh, which is too bad because that would have been pretty cool. I'm sure it would have been a good time. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Especially with that uh, wall of sound and all those speakers that, that I, 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 I didn't ever get a chance to do it, but I, I read about it. Um, that must have been pretty cool to experience. And plus, they, they were like one of the first bands to really get heavy into marketing themselves really well. Oh, yeah. Uh, they license they license their own logo to their fans, like they got paid every time their fans used their logo on their on merch that they'd made themselves to sell at these shows. Oh, they were, it was awesome business model. I didn't know they that. were really smart. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The only big concert I went to, the big concert. You ever heard of the US Festival? No. Uh, back in nineteen eighty five, eighty six, something like that. 93, I don't know, somewhere, I don't remember, it was so high back then. Anyway, uh, Steve Wozniak from Apple Computer put on a huge concert, and he was, like, rich with Apple Cash, you know, from Apple Computer, he was the founder of Apple, and he put on the US Festival, right. and uh, you look up the lineup for that, three days, it was three days, it, there was more, I think there was more people at the US Festival than there was at the uh, Woodstock Wow. It was crazy. There was, and I was like maybe 15. Me and my buddy Mark were out there for the three days, and it was like everybody you could imagine was there. You know, just three days. It was like a there was like a new wave alternate day, then it was a country day, and then it was a rock day. And it was just, it was just, it was, it was the best of the best. It was amazing. But it was hot as shit. That wasn't too far from where we lived, though. It was in Glen Helen. You know, it was about half an hour. I've been at 45 minutes from the house, so it wasn't too bad. Ironically, and you said you said it was the Oz Festival, like O Z or US Festival. Us, U S. Okay, U S. Yeah, it was uh, at the Glen Halen. Uh, uh, I think it was Glen Halen Regional Park. This place is huge. Uh, Van Halen uh, headlined the Rock Night, and the Scorpions were there. Ozzy was there. Uh, Van Halen, uh, David Lee Roth had a, uh, if you look it up on YouTube, David Lee Roth had a breakdown and forgot the words to the songs. Oh, geez. At one point, he, if you watch the YouTube video, you can actually see him say it. I thought he had said it. I didn't, I watched it on YouTube just to make sure, you know, this is recently because, you know, it was a long time ago. He said, I forgot the fucking words. And I thought, oh, <laughs> what a douchebag. And then, uh. You know, people walked out of there. Well, people walked out of Van Halen, and they were crying. And little girls were crying, and it was just like, "Oh, give me a break!" It was unbelievable. 
Yeah, they got paid a million dollars for that. Oh, oh man. I swore I'd never go see Van Halen live again after that. Oh, Jeez, so, yeah, I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah, just go to YouTube and look up uh, Us Festival Van Halen. And then uh, David Lee Roth, he's prancing across his desk. I forgot the fucking words. The exact, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, you douchebag. Then, the, then he ended up falling down, and then they left the stage, and then Michael Anthony came out and played the bass while they were trying to you know, sober the rest of the band up to come back out on the stage. And, uh, you know, you can only play the bass on the, on the, uh, on the stage solo for so long before it, uh, becomes a little too, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't work anymore. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I hear you. You know, wow, what a shit show. Oh, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. That part of it was terrible. And it didn't help that when the scorpions played, they kicked so much ass that, uh, you know, I mean, it was going to be hard to follow the Scorpions anyway. And and then, you know, I mean, they were just, they just rocked the place. And then, you know, then Van Halen hits and they blow it. Oh, my God. But the rest of the concert was fantastic. You know, I mean, it was just so many bands there. It was unbelievable. You know, and then on the, on the earlier that day, Stevie Nicks had played. Oh, my oh, God. She's, oh, she was so hot. And then on the alt day, um... Uh, the Clash was the headline. Oh my God, they kicked ass! And then uh, they had bands like uh, uh, who was there? Uh, the Devonials were there. Ah, um, oh shit, it's, it's it's evading me now. But it was just like one group after it was just, and it wasn't like you know when they take a long time to set shit up. No man, it was like boom, boom, boom. They were just nailing it. You know, they, wow. They, you know, there was not a lot, but it was hot as it was too hot. Is what it was. It was just too hot out there. They were spraying the cat the crowd down with the water gun, yeah, you know, the big water uh, fire guns, because mm -hmm. we were all cooking. And, oh man, we were out there. We we're we we're so fried. It was so hot. You know, it was crazy. It was a good time. That was probably the best concert I've ever been to. Wow. Yeah. With a with a, big, with a lineup like that. Yeah. Look at the lineup, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I mean, it was just like. Three days of craziness, you know, it, which is really funny because the Glen Halen Park's only like forty-five minutes because I live in Pasadena at the time. It was only like forty-five minutes from where I lived, and I thought that was like forever far away. And <laughs> forty-five minutes, you know, forty-five minutes. What the hell is that? You know, that's nothing. I, I drive two hours to get to work now. But but back then, you know, I lived in Pasadena. You didn't have to travel far because everything was, you know. You could find whatever you wanted. It was everything was right there. But anyway, I love the song. You're gonna have to send me a, a um, if you can send me a, a send me that way. Yeah, I uh, you actually inspired me to push up actually when I was gonna record it because I wanted to record it this year because I want to do two singles every month, and I have uh, a bunch of songs from when I was in college, in my college band, and we had this album that we never released, so I'm just going to be releasing a single a month of that. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do this month for my own music. So I think you inspired me to actually record that one here at home uh, a little bit more professionally than just playing it into my phone on Anchor. Actually, that didn't sound too bad on the phone. I can I I saved it in my episodes. I can I can definitely send you the link again if if you want it or or just like download it 
and uh, just send you an MP3 if you want. Yeah, if you could send me the MP3 so I could put it right on the computer, that would be awesome. Yep, I can I play, no I play uh, once in a while, I play different, I try to go with a theme because I'm driving, and I when I'm in the driving mode, I play, like, different truck driving songs, and I want to add that to the rotation. Cool. Nice, man. Thank you. You know, you know put it right there, you know, along with Convoy and this, you know, the, you know, the East, you know. The... Okay. I just had a really fun talk with Jeremiah Craig, and uh, I just really love that bobtail song you do. Just something about it, just really, I don't know, just really hit with me. I think he nailed it. I don't know, I just like it. I think you guys will like it too. If you get a chance, you really need to listen to it. He's got some other stuff, he's going to send me a CD. I'm really looking forward to hearing it. You know, I really, I really like the singer-songwriters. I really like the independent guys. I really like stuff that doesn't sound like it's over-processed. I like hearing the genuineness of, of an artist. You know, if I wanted to hear watered-down crap, I'd just go put on a Disney record from the 70s or something. But... You know, a good, a good, genuine singer-songwriter. I mean, like, the guy grabs a guitar. And there's a couple of people on it, Anchor, that do this, but... He grabs a guitar. He's singing into the iPhone. And as a professional, he's probably thinking, Oh, this isn't the best recording, or whatever. But you know what? It sounds pretty damn good to me. And it's not perfect, of course, because there's pops here and there, loudness issues, whatever. But you know what? The good content, I think, I know, good content goes through. When the content's good, you're going to, you know, when you like it, and you can tell that the content's good, you're not going to hear the pops or the whistles or the bad mic or whatever. You know, you don't hear those things. You're just hearing the good content. And I think that's what, you know, uh, apps like Anchor do. You know, and if it isn't Anchor five years from now, it'll be something else. But there'll always be something that's going to be the next big thing. And it's 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 strange because in a lot of ways, artists these days have less you know less control over what they're doing because the the corporate media owning everything, you know, the Clear Channel and Viacom and all that bullshit. But in some ways, they also have more leeway because, you know, it's, uh, you know, they're putting things on the internet, they're putting things out on YouTube, you know, YouTube, they're, they're getting, you know, even though radio's dead, they're getting, you know, maybe internet radio play, they're getting, you know, they're getting, you know, they're, they're you know, but it's not consistent, you know, it's not consistent because the system is they have more say in some ways, in some ways they don't. It's just really bizarre. You know, me not being in that world, I don't understand it, but the more I talk to these guys, the more I get a feel for it. I'm sympathetic to them. But no matter what, no matter how you look at it, you know, that part of the business, you know, take a chance and, uh, 
you know, treat yourself to listening to some of this guy's music, because, I don't know, I just like it, I'm not going to tell you it's good, I'm not going to tell you it's bad, I'm going to tell you that I like it, and I've heard one song so far and I like it, and if the rest of it is I hear is good too, or if, if, or if it's as good as this is, you know, the, the Bobtail song, then, uh, I think he's got a fan, I think he's got a fan for life. As long as he doesn't do a duet with uh, Taylor Swift, because uh, Jeremiah Craig, if you start dating Taylor Swift with those alien ass eyes and she dumps your ass, I don't want to hear about it, buddy. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, I'm gonna put ah, son of a bitches keep with their high beams. Everybody's gonna have the damn high beams on. Anyway, I'm almost out of time here, but. I'm going to play the interview. Now keep in mind, it cuts out a few times, and that was my fault, because I'm in a bad area in Oklahoma, and I kept losing the signal. But Jeremiah was pretty good to uh, help, you know, to deal with it, and we got right back into the conversation. And I think there was some nice tidbits in there. I probably repeated myself a little too much, but uh, he sounds like a nice kid. If Kevin Touch ever does the Tonight Show, I think we know where his band leader's at. We got a band leader for them. Yeah, these guys are in their 60s and 70s, so they're like, they've been playing their whole lives, you know? I mean, these they, you know, these are great musicians. It's just that they're playing a musical instrument that people don't appreciate as much as they used to. Right. Which is a shame, I think, that, uh, that all of these instruments uh, have, have their place and can oh, be absolutely. appreciated in their own way, for sure. Well, and, and if you go in there, I mean, because people can tell when you're being genuine. If you go in there and you genuinely start, like, I'm digging on it because it's something that's new. To me, it's fresh because I don't really, it's not my scene, you know? It's not something mm-hmm. I grew up with. So I'm digging on it because it's all new to me. And, you know, and you're, you see that. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll get into it too. And then it just creates this, a buzz, you know? Yep. People go every Wednesday night in Milwaukee. People go to this thing, and it's just amazing. You know, it's it's one of those things I try to go to once in a while, just just because it's it's so unique. Is it packed you know, for both so, like, the performers and the uh, listeners? Like, is it packed on a listener quality too? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it draws people. Nice, that's good to hear. It's like you know fifty. Kingfish, hi, it is Maria, and I just wanted to call in and say hello and let you know that if you are in a light-hearted mood, you might not want to go to my station today because I'm feeling kind of heavy, and um, I went to the serious side today, and um, I just had a conference call with the man of steel, Richie Rich, in the UK, and... Uh, We all take turns lifting each other. So I also wanted to let you know that I have not forgotten about my triple dog dare. And this weekend, I may find time to go ahead and do that. So I still have your call in here. I still have the uh, the challenge. And I will accept soon. 
But um, I hope you're having a great night. Bye. Oh, Maria. Oh, Ave Maria. I can't. Uh, I'm in the bunk. That's why I sound a little different. I can't wait to hear the double dog chair challenge. Maria got a double dog dare challenge. And uh, I'm not going to say what it is just yet, but uh, it's going to be fun. I don't think she can do it. She thinks she can. I don't think so. It's going to be a good one. I haven't heard your segment yet. I've been able to get over there. I was in a bad area and I kept losing the signal, so I'm going to go over there in a little bit and see if I can uh, listen to it. So I hope you're having a beautiful day. Peace. Hey man, sorry I lost you there, uh, but I just want to say thank you for spending the time with me tonight. That was a that was a fun phone call, and uh, I hope you have a a good ride for the rest of the night. Thanks again. Peace. Oh wait. I also need uh, your email address. I can, I can pretty much rip that song off of my phone tomorrow. So if you send me your email address, I'll just, uh, I'll just shoot that over to you. Uh, all right. Thanks again. You know, that was a great, I thought it was a great, great conversation with Jeremiah. And then we talked about him about an hour on the phone, because on the phone it doesn't drop out. Because he's probably right, it is the data network when you're on Anchor. But when you're on the phone, it's just a regular phone. I was in the middle of nowhere anyway. But Jeremiah's going to send me three CDs. I'm going to be able to listen to his music that way. And I can't wait to hear it. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be fun. It's like, it's something I'm really looking forward to. You know, it's it's to find new discoveries, to to you know to 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 see slices of the world I never get to see. You know, it's very exciting. You know, how often you know, we hear the music and we hear the artist, and then and then to hear his thought process, and he shares it with us. A lot of people don't do that, and you know what he was thinking when he did it, and how, and how his own life impacted this song. You know, from the traveling over the road and touring, you know, with the band and going to the truck stops and talking to the drivers, and that's how he got it, and, and you know, that was just really cool. You know, to hear the, the you know, it, it made the song even more, to know that he wasn't just saying the words, he was describing things that he had experienced and you know through the conversations I assume the late night conversation over coffee at a truck stop somewhere and and I think that just kind of it brings up a visual image for me that just really works and I you know and I really like the song also so it, it, it makes it even that much the better so not only do I have a great song now that I can listen to and I can add to my list of truck driving songs because you guys know I like to play those ad nauseum but I got one now 
with a story behind it. And the story is from the guy who wrote it and performed it. That's really cool. I mean, it's it just really adds the salt to the to the meat, you know. It just really gives the whole thing flavor. I think. If I sound a little weak, it's because I'm in the bunk right now. I just woke up. I'm going back to sleep in a few minutes, but it just uh, I don't know. It just really works for me. I'm not sure where we're at. Texas, I think. I think we're in Texas. That's what it feels like. Somewhere around Amarillo. But anyway, that's really cool. Now, Jeremiah also said, I don't remember if he said it in the conversation or if he said it on the phone afterwards, but he's on Spotify. So if you guys want to go check him out, go to Spotify and type in Jeremiah Craig and go look him up. I don't have Spotify, but uh, I'm gonna go. I might even just go. I might even go get it for the month just so I could do that. I think I might just do that. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna wait till I get the CDs and then I'm gonna check them out. I'm definitely gonna listen to them all. I'm looking forward to it because I'm gonna burn them, put them on my phone, you know, and I got plenty of time to listen. I think what I'm going to do is I'll wait till I get one of those dead, desolate areas where there's no distractions whatsoever. And I'll listen to them then. That way I can groove down the road and just totally get into it. Because just to sit there and listen, just I don't really get involved. But when I'm driving, my head's active. And I've been listening, you know, headphones for the last 20-something years. I, th- I just, that's when it's going to be. That's when I really get into a song. That's when I really listen the most. When I'm grooving down the road. You know, and then I can just, because I'm still active, but i got plenty to think about. So, that's what I'm going to do. So, if you get a chance, go to Spotify. He's on Anchor and he's one of us. Check it out. I hope everyone else is having a great day. That was what you said and that was what I heard. And I'm sitting here in the kitchen drinking tea. Cup is about halfway down. The cup says I love New York, trademark. So I think you can imagine what the, well it's I heart New York. And Tulsa is on my mind because of a Gene Pitney song, which I'm going to presume you know, because I always think everybody knows everything I know. But 24 hours from Tulsa, 24 hours. I don't know. Anyway, I I must uh, Google or whatever the song, but I was a great Gene Pitney fan when I was a kid. And uh, that told that's... So wherever 24 Hours from Tulsa was, I'm not sure, there. You know, I'm not sure how far, what would be 24 Hours from Tulsa. Probably somewhere in California. For me, we left out about 9 o'clock in the morning. 
and I was there about, oh, I don't know what time it was, but it wasn't 24 hours. I'd have to be a lot farther than Chicago to be 24 hours away. So I'd have to think about that one. But probably, probably California. Probably somewhere around Needles. That would be about 24 hours. I'm guessing. Not really sure. I'd have to think about that one. Oh, Kingfish, I'm, this is to lobby you, yeah? Now, I'm a lobbyist. Um, sometime I must, sorry, this is a, an aside. My wife once told somebody uh, who she didn't know very well at some kind of a semi-organized um, family do that she was a lobbyist in Brussels. And the woman said to her, Oh, uh, which hotel? Anyway, I thought that was terribly funny. Um, anyway, I want to lobby you uh, to, to never, ever post that horrid, horrid, horrid background music. I was listening to you about Tulsa, and I really, you know, I love listening to you. But I kept having this feeling, oh, God, get rid of that shite in the background. Now, that's just one person's view. That's me. You know... I think I am going to drop the, the background music. Except for when I do the quote of the day thing. And the quote of the day will be... I think it's going to be a mixture of things I come up with versus... Things I get out of that book. Of course, it's a weird thing. You know, when you do your own quotes, you have to think... You know, is this an original thought by myself? Or, or did I hear it somewhere else? Because we hear so much content... You know, and so much of it is in the background we don't process. I think it would be easy to, you know, to, to, you know, to re, you know, to regurgitate, I guess. It would be, you know, without, you know, a quote without even knowing that you did it. So, I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. I got an interesting story I'm going to do tonight. I'll do that without the quote. I think you're going to like this. What I'm gonna, I'm thinking of doing tonight. It's a fascinating story, and uh, but I got to do a little research first because I want to make sure I get my facts right. I think I mostly got it, but I want to get it right. It's mostly the year I got to get it right, but I think I'm gonna drop the music, the background music. Um, the reason why I did it was because I thought the background sound of the truck was annoying, but. People say they can't really hear it anyway. I don't know. You guys let me know what you think. But I think Paul might be right. Hey guys, I'm thrilled to be starting to listen to the two of you chatting. You, um, Mr. Bob Tail, um, Kingfish and, and, uh, and Jeremiah. And one of the, 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 the first thing that comes to my mind that, that I want to know about, and I don't think you guys will be able to answer me this, is how the well, what we call tachograph regulations, the driver's hours regulations, compare between um, UK and uh, USA. I'd be pretty, I mean, I, I don't know. I know 
driver's hours regulations. I used to know driver's hours regulations, but I may be out of, I may not be accurate anymore. Um, and I certainly don't think you could drive as many hours consecutively as you guys seem to be able to do. Well, I think I've spent about 30 minutes, maybe more, trying to get my head around what the difference between Europe and the United States is in terms of driver's hours. The biggest thing I seem to be able to find, the biggest difference that I can see between the two is that the maximum number of hours um, a driver can drive in Europe in a 24-hour period is nine hours. That can be can be slightly extended, to, but essentially the core figure is nine hours, and I think that's a lot more than a lot fewer than in the United States. Um, Fifty-six hours in a seven-day period, the maximum number of hours a European driver can drive in a week. Fifty-six hours. <clears throat> I'm not sure what the difference in our regulations versus the rest of the the world. It's just that the way it works here is once I start to clock, I got to do everything within 14 hours. Generally, that's not a problem for me because of the way I run. But I'll tell you the rules, and then I'll tell you how I run. The rules are 14-hour day at the max. 11 hours max driving time, so you can go load or unload or whatever you want to do. Eight, before you hit the 8 hour mark, you have to take a half hour break. That's what I was doing last night. So when I get to the 7.5 mark or 7 or whatever, I gotta pull over and stop for half an hour. It's uh, electronic logging, so I have no choice. I have to actually do it. And I have to find a place where I can stop for half an hour, and that isn't always easy. So, that's why I stopped in Stroud last night, Stroud, Oklahoma. They got good parking there, and I knew I could get a, I was pretty sure I could get a spot. I didn't need to stop there, but I wouldn't have if I didn't have, if I wasn't forced into it. But I, it was like probably about six hours into my drive. And I stopped there just so I can get it over with. Because once I get it over with, then I can make it through the rest of the night. But it's torture to pull over. Because all I want to do is go, go, go. There's really not much to do there either. All I got is McDonald's and, and, and even, even in a convenience store, and I don't want either one. But, oh, and uh, 70 hours in 8 days. That's the most I can drive is 70 hours in 8 days. So the electronic log keeps track of everything I do. And then when I hit my 70, that's it. I'm done for the week. I can't go anymore. On this bid, it's not really that big a deal because, you know, if I run out of hours, I just go home, drop the Denver. No big deal. Now, if you're on the wheel where you're going all over the place, a wheel can bounce all over the place. Then, uh, you know, then you got to keep track of your hours more. You really got to keep an eye on that because you don't want to get stuck in a road run out of hours and drive you crazy but those are our rules 14 hours max 11 hours uh, max driving time 
and then stop before you hit the eight hour mark for half an hour for your DOT break. Now the way I work it is, I work from three to three in the afternoon to three in the morning roughly. And then I take a half hour break somewhere in between there. And so because it's a 12 hour shift, you know, between switching out and using the restroom and, and uh, stopping for the half hour, it, uh, you know, I don't usually go over the 11, it's usually like, you know, nine and a half, ten, stuff like that. Very rare I hit 11. I could do it if I'm forced into it, but, you know, but back in the days of paper logs, it was a lot easier to do because you could, you could write down what you did afterwards and you could uh, be creative would be the way I would say it. You could be creative. Nobody ever lies in their log. They're just creative. That's the way, you know, that's the way to look at it. But with electronic logging, it's kind of taken a lot of, you know, I don't know, it's too too regimented now. It's, I don't really care for it. But I, I, this is like the second or third week we've had it, so I'm not, I'm just not used to it yet. So maybe in a couple of weeks I'll actually like it, but as of right now, not so much. It's kind of glitchy, has a lot of problems. Eh, what are you going to do? All right, no music. I'm no music. No, I'm not playing any music. You know, I've heard of, you know, the Mile High um, Club. The Mile High Club. But... You guys have like a million mile high clubs. I mean, you beat these mile high club guys by a million miles. Paul, in a lot of ways, you know, the mile, the, you know, the, the mile milestones, the million milestones, you know, they represent years of accident free driving and safety to the public. Very few companies can claim as many million mile drivers as we have. You know, our turnover rate's only 3%. A lot of that has to do with being in, you know, the union. And you drove, you know, in London, you understand. It's very hard to drive around in the bigger cities, you know, without having problems. But for us, you know, the, the mile awards, you know, they represent, to me, they represent, you know, dozens, hundreds of birthdays, anniversaries, family get-togethers that I missed. And, you know, and, and I don't mean that, I mean, I, I miss those things, of course, but, you know, there's a, there's a plus to it because, not so much a plus, but a thing I can live with, the fact that sometimes the things that are in the trailers are things that are going to change people's lives. You know, maybe it's medical equipment, or maybe it's, you know, going for hurricane relief, or maybe it's, you know, it's something, you know, medical equipment's a big one. But, you know, maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's something that's going to save somebody's life or change their lives. And I have to go with that. And that's what helps me get through the night. Sometimes, you know, when you when you watch these these uh, you know these television broadcasts where they show the 
the guy in the truck and he's, you know, driving all through the night in the storm and trying to deliver the goods so that the little town could have its Christmas. That's me. I'm that guy. I'm that guy finding the snow and the ice. Driving across through a blizzard. Trying to drive the you know, deliver the, the medical, you know, medicine or whatever it is. You know, that's me. That's actually, that's actually happened quite a few times. You know, where, where something like that happened. I can think of one time where, you know, the stuff was in the front of the trailer. And I had to stop. And I literally unloaded the whole trailer to get to it so I can get to where I was going. And I generally don't go to the customers. It was for a hospital. It was some piece of machinery they needed. I don't know what it was, but they needed this thing pretty bad. And, uh, you know, I don't normally, you know, do stuff like that. Usually it's just straight to the terminal. But they were willing to delay the rest of the freight. To dig this thing out for three or four hours to get it out to this hospital. I don't know what it was. I'm pretty sure it was pretty important. Probably cost the company a few thousand dollars to do that. Because of the time critical freight, you know, the guarantees. But, you know, whatever it is, those people were happy to see me. You know, I never did find out what the thing was. Well, it probably would have made a much better story if I would have known what it was. But then again, maybe it makes a better story with people you know, wondering what it could have been. Maybe it draws people in because they don't know what it is and so they can imagine. Because I'm not doing all the work for them. They have to go ahead. They got to meet me halfway. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe that that's what makes it a little better. But it's true, though. I didn't know what it was. I wish I did, though. I just know that to these people it was very important. And since it's important to them, now it's important to me. Because if people don't need the things that I'm bringing them, then I won't have a job. So I guess that's the way to look at it. For me, anyway. I've just listened to you say, I'm not going to tell you it's good. I'm not going to tell you it's bad. I'm going to tell you I like it. And that um, distinction between it's good, which is a judgment, it's bad, which is a judgment, and I like it, which is a statement of fact. It's uh, owned by... You, you own it. Nobody else can say you do not like it. No, 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 you're wrong. You don't like that record. You said you like it, but you don't like it. No, nobody, nobody, nobody would be fool enough to say that except as a joke. That's a terrific distinction. I love it. <clears throat> I've just listened to you say... I'm not going to tell you it's good. I'm not going to tell you it's bad. I'm going to tell you I like it.
And that um, distinction between it's good, which is a judgment, it's bad, which is a judgment, and I like it, which is a statement of fact. It's uh, owned by you. You own it. Nobody else can say you do not like it. No, 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 you're wrong. You don't like that record. You said you like it, but you don't like it. No, nobody, nobody, nobody would be fool enough to say that except as a joke. That's a terrific distinction. I love it. <clears throat> and I can, and I do say, I love the distinction you're drawing between, you know, that's a good song, and I like it. And this is such a, there's such so many thoughts behind this, as far as I'm concerned, that I have had. And I have found it very easy to, to say, that's a great song, as far as I'm concerned. That is a number one story, as far as I'm concerned which is a statement about me. It's telling somebody something about me, and that's what you're doing. But these other statements which says, which don't make it clear. I'd like to hear more about these cars you have. I heard you mention four of them now, so that's got to be four episodes, because the story behind each of those cars, where you, why you got those ones rather than other ones, um, where you got it, how you bought it, um, how you maintain it, where you get spare parts. I mean, that'll occupy you for quite a good amount of audio. You know, so when you're driving along you and you can't see anything to talk about, you can do cars. I mean, there are people who would love that. I'm not a car person, but I would be glued to it because you'd be talking about something that you were seriously interested in, and that would absolutely capture my interest. But there'd also be other... You know, I think I'm going to do that. I think I will do, like, one or two episodes on each one in a little history. I gotta think how to do it. They're not all mine exactly. The '66 Mustang is, and the coupe, the the Packard, are, are my mom's. The '66 was Mustang was my grandfather's. It's my all-time favorite car. The '37 Packard is my uh, stepfather Don's. Jay Leno drove up next to him one time and told him what a nice car he had. And uh, so he met Jay Leno. That was cool. I wasn't there. He didn't see it. He told me about it. Um, the 32 Coupe used to be my mom's, but she gave it to my brother. She tried to sell it for the longest time. And then, uh, you know, she wanted forty-five grand for it, and then it wouldn't sell. So she decided to give it to Artie, and... She put it on, she was moving from Reno to Wisconsin. She put it on a trailer. And when they got to Nebraska, 
Some guy turned around on I-80 and chased him down and offered to buy the car on the spot. And Art was like, oh, no, no, I love this car. He wanted the car so bad. And my mom was like, you know, she wanted to, you know, she was tore up because 45 grand is a lot of money. And, uh, but the thing is, Art told her, I think this is what sold her. Art told her, well, you know, Mom, it's your retirement. Do whatever you want to do. You know, whatever you think is best. On the inside, he was like, no, no, don't sell it. But on the outside, he did the right thing, and then she decided that she didn't want to get rid of it. It's a fun car to drive, but it's kind of a bitch, because if you're over five foot five, the way the windows, you know, way it's cut down, it's a real pain in the ass. The tea bucket was my grandfather's. That one's actually mine now. I got it for my birthday. Uh, I opened the garage door last year. And, uh, well, my mom came out to visit. It was two years ago she came out to visit. And she handed me, um, you know, this, uh, you know, birthday card. I just got home from Portland or something. And, um, I opened up the, uh, the thing and there was a title in there. And I'm like, oh, oh, you're giving me the title of the car. I said, oh, great. Now I gotta figure out a way to get this thing back here. Because you can't drive it all the way across the country. I said, that's great. I said, that's gonna be really fun. I was just kinda tired. And then, uh, Art handed me the, you know, he, or I think he just turned, I don't remember exactly what happened, but he turned and hit the button on his garage door, and the car was sitting in the garage. It was already sitting in his garage. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Oh, this is so awesome, because now I don't have to pay 800 bucks to transport it. That's about what it costs. So, that was really cool. I store that at Art's house because I don't have enough garage space. Uh, but I don't get to take that out very often. But it's fun when you do take it out. Because it's just engine and frame. And it's just crazy fast. The, uh, the 2000 Mustang, that I bought new myself. And there's a little funny story behind that one I'll save for later. So we have the four cars. And... Sarah knows because I played an audio clip once of the of the tea bucket because the tea bucket's got super loud pipes and she can attest to how loud they are and how deep they are and how resonant it is the, the Mustang's got loud pipes too but the tea bucket's probably the loudest but one time me and Artie were he's in the 32 coupe and I'm in the tea bucket and we're going down the road and we realized that the, the, the exhaust were in tune with each other. And they sounded twice as loud as if they were, you know, it was just amazing how loud it was. So you got this bright yellow tea bucket and this, you know, bright red 32 coupe is going down the street. And, you know, the number of looks we got were quite amazing. It was, it was a lot of fun. You know, the, the, everybody waves at you and that kind of stuff. It's a lot, get a big kick out of it. So, yeah, I guess I, I'll do that, but I'm going to wait till summer when I can bring them out and actually have some fun with them. Hey, Kingfish's KT over my anchor intro. Just remind you that we're launching January 8th. Feel free to call in and give us your intro, my man. Appreciate your support and continued support to the my anchor intro station and the whole anchor community. Keep it easy, my friend. You know, I don't normally suggest that 
Mr. KT start any more stations because I think he's got a good thing going and I don't want to see him burn out but I think this mic or intro is a great idea because the leaderboard just kind of sucks for finding good content I wish it was better but it just it just does it doesn't help you find good content and what you know I've talked to him about it what they want to do is they want to bring people on and they want to have them introduce their shows and what they're all about and I don't know how long he's going to make each segment or anything like that but that just seems to me like a brilliant idea you know and I'm looking forward to it I know it's a channel that I'm subscribed to or will subscribe to and I can't wait to hear what he's got because I'm you know I think I'm going to find something I like and by listening to what he's got and it's probably something that I never would have heard if I didn't listen He's going to bring on any, anything and everything. So, it'll be, I don't know, I just think it'll be really interesting. I can't wait to uh, for them to kick it off. You know, it's just, I don't know, it's something that this, uh, this app's been sorely needing. Some way to identify stuff that I'd want to hear. So hopefully people will get on there and they'll understand that they they have a short amount of time to sell themselves. And hopefully the inner the inner, you know, the engaging ones will be able to do that and I'll be able to catch up on it and maybe I'll find something I really like that I never would have heard otherwise. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I think this is gonna be a good channel. So that's just my thoughts. Talk to y'all later. Yeah, we gotta put the microphone down. Alright, we just went through Flagtown, Flagstaff, Arizona, headed west, pretty windy. It's 52 degrees. Oh my god, it's so hot out. I got the air conditioner on, it's killing me. That's the thing with this job. When I went to sleep, it was like 25. So I had the heater on a little bit in the bunk. And it's one of those heat on, heat off things. You know, it would be amazing if we could have set the temperature to a certain degree it would stay that place you know 75 or 69 or whatever and it just stay there because I literally could go to sleep in the snow and wake up in the desert and you know so I woke up and I'm like what the hell so I had to turn the air conditioner and I went from the heat when I went to sleep to the to the air conditioner when I woke you know when I woke up earlier today and I had to try to go back to sleep it's really annoying. But anyway, I'm trying to listen to content. I want to listen to content. And by the way, everybody that favorited me in the last day, I really appreciate that. I suspect that had more to do with uh, Jeremiah Craig's song and uh, his openness about describing, you know, how he came about the song. And I just really love that conversation. I think that had more to do with why you guys liked me than anything else because mostly I'm just bitching about going up and down a road you know just a truck driver bitches but that was a great conversation you know and I really felt you know good about it and w like I said we, we talked about an hour afterwards on a regular phone and I wish I could have recorded some of that because 
you know, that didn't ever drop out because we kept dropping out. But, uh, you know, that was just, oh my God, it was just amazing. Just an amazing conversation. I think there's nothing more precious than when you can connect with somebody and, you know, you just instantly get what they're saying. You know, there's nothing more precious in life about like that. I just really like that. You know, when you can, you know, when you're just right in there and it was like, and I got to tell you, his song, I'm, and I and I know I've, you know, I'm kind of going off about this, but it just really hit because maybe it's because I'm in a melancholy mood, you know. It's, you know, it's really what it is. It's a song about, you know, it's Bob Taylor, whatever. But but you guys don't get the metaphor for it. It's like, to me, it's a song about a guy going out there and doing some shit he doesn't really want to do to do the stuff that he needs to do to pay for the things, to take care of the people that he cares about, like the family. That's how I look at it. You know, I do the things that I, example myself, I do the things that I do out here on the road. I'm gone for a week at it. Will you quit hitting your fucking brakes, asshole? Sorry. This guy going down a hill, I don't know what he's freaking out about. Anyway. I do the things that I do so that the rest of the family can do the things that they want to do or they can be successful. You know, I'm gone six days a week for the most part. I work 24 hours a day. I drive in the summer. I drive, you know, drive through snowstorms. I've been inside a tornado. I've driven in a flood. You know, there's nothing that's going to stop me from delivering the load. I've driven in whiteouts where you can't see 10 feet in front of a truck in North Dakota. They shut down the whole damn state. But I kept going because, well, kind of because there was nowhere to stop. But I do those things so my kid can go to college. So that, you know, that we have a nice place to stay. So I, I I guess I do those things for me, but I get a lot of satisfaction and a knowing that I'm making other people's dreams come true. And that's cool. You know? It's I I just it's just really nice, you know? To to be able to see that.